Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Good morning, Fusion Church, 6 a.m. So, how you guys feeling? You ready? We're excited. We're in a new year, a new exciting time for, for each and every one of us, a time to, to really uh, see where God has taken us and what he's going to be doing through each and every one of us in the life of, of our church and our families, with our friends and our workplaces. I'm so excited, so expectant for this coming u- uh, new year. Um but this morning we are in 2 Corinthians 5, um, 2 Corinthians 5. So uh, I'm going to pray and we're going to get into it. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you and we praise your name for this opportunity that we have every single day just to, to begin our day in the in, in what better way than to, to get into your word, Father, and, and hear your words and, and hear the messages that, that you have for each and every one of us. Father, I pray that during this brief time that we have together, Lord, that uh, you would speak through me, Father. It would be your words that are heard, not mine, Lord, that I would fade to the background, but that you will be at the forefront for each and every one of us, Lord. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and and be with us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. <clears throat> All right. 2 Corinthians 5, and I am reading from the New King James Version. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us a spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the, in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience. Verse 12, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died before them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet 
now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin that for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. Amen. All right. So 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul um, to the Christian community in the, the region of Corinth. And and this letter addresses various issues that um, um, he wants to bring to their attention. He he's defending his own apostleship, you know, his own authority throughout this book of the Bible. He's discussing the nature of of, of Christian ministry, and and he's also encouraging the the Corinthians to to contribute to the collection for for um, other Christians in Jerusalem. Uh, additionally, 2 Corinthians um, also highlights themes of reconciliation, God's grace, and, and the challenges and joys of, of Christian life and Christian service. Uh, verse 1 begins before we know. Paul, you know, so in, in previous um, chapters, Paul, he con contrasted um, our light affliction with far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Um, uh, specifically in chapter four of second Corinthians. And, and he, he, he talks about the things that are seen and temporary with things that are not seen and eternal. And, and, and in this discussion, Paul is bold enough to, to say, we know, we know Christians, us, you and I, we can know that the world beyond this one is uh, what is like, because we know um, what God's eternal word says. Our earthly house, he says, our tent. Paul was a tent maker by trade. So he 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 he's going to use this term of a, of a tent. Um, if a tent is destroyed, we still have an eternal hope. If this body is destroyed, we still have an eternal hope. A building from God, it says, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The, the idea of being destroyed is the very same... Um, Greek word that's used for striking down a tent. One day, will God will strike the tent. One day, our fleshly bodies will die, and we will receive a new, new building from heaven, a new tent from heaven, a new body from heaven, a place to live throughout all of eternity. This means that we are more than our bodies, and explains why Paul could consider all the pain. And this and the discomfort of this body as light affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory to come. It says, Our a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Our future bodies are not made with hands. That God um especially makes them to suit the environment of eternity and of heaven. They are eternal. In the heavens, Jesus said in John 14, uh, verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. According to the literal word, um, the, the literal uh, 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 word of the, the, of the ancient Greek, the word for mansions is better translated as 
as dwelling place or or a place to stay. But in light of God's character, it is better translated as mansions, this building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, will be a glorious place to stay, a mansion for all eternity. After all, Jesus has been preparing this place for us since he ascended to heaven. So for 2,000 years, you know, through our understanding, he's been, been preparing a place for us. He's been preparing our eternal bodies so that we can live with him in heaven. Salvation, salvation isn't just for the soul or spirit, but for the body also. Resurrection is how God saves our bodies. We have a glorious new body to come. That's something to be thankful for. Because a lot of us, we woke up this morning and we weren't thankful for our current physical body. Let me tell you guys, getting up out of bed this morning, my body was saying, "Mm -mm, you might as well stay right where you at. You know, don't even get up, <laughs> you know, but we have the promise of an eternal, resurrected, glorified body. Verse two, he says, for in this we groan, Christians, we groan because we see both the limitations of this body and the superior, the, the superiority of, of the body that's to come. We are earnestly desiring our new bodies, Many, but many of us are not earnestly desiring heaven. Is it because we're so comfortable here on earth that we don't want to get to heaven? It isn't that we should seek out affliction, or, or but but neither should we dedicate our lives into, into the pursuit of comfort. There's nothing wrong with earnestly desiring heaven. I earnestly desire heaven. Come on. I mean, I, I, I love my life. I love my family. I love my wife and my kids. You know, I, I love, I love the, our church. I love the people. You know, I have so many things to love, but I still earnestly desire the time when I will open my eyes and I will be in heaven with my creator. How much more amazing is that going to be? There is there is nothing wrong with earnestly desiring heaven. There's there's something right about being able to, to agree with Paul saying we groan, you know, we long for those for that day. Verse 3 says, having been clothed, we should not be naked. Paul's, Paul's simply saying that in eternity, we will, we will be clothed and not be, be naked. That is, that is, we will not be just um, bodiless spirits, okay? We're going to be clothed in an eternal body, right? And for a lot of people... This doesn't really make sense because if heaven, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's up heavens over there. And, you know, we have the, you know, Hollywood depictions of, you know, spirits and angels and all this stuff. Listen, I serve a God that doesn't always make sense. Right. And I believe God is capable more than capable of having a spiritual realm. And we still have physical bodies, you know, but that's the God that I serve who can do the impossible. The God that I serve can make things that make no sense and make them into a reality. Greek philosophers um, thought that a, a bodiless spirit was the highest level of existence. They thought of the body as just a prison for the soul and saw no advantage in, be, in being resurrected in another body. But to God, the body itself is not negative. The body itself is it's not a negative thing. They're, the the problem isn't in the body itself, but in in these sin corrupted fallen bodies that we live in. 
Jesus even proved the essential goodness of the body by becoming a man. If, if there is something inherently evil in the body, Jesus, Jesus could never have added humanity to his deity. Think about that. If there was something inherently wrong and evil about our body, Jesus could never have taken it on. But Jesus came in as a sinless man and took on this flesh, took on this body, and he was able to remain sinless his entire life. Verse 4 says, not because we want to be uh, unclothed, but for further clothed. As Christians, we have no earnest desire to be uh, pure of spirit and just to escape the body. Instead, we are earnestly desiring to have our perfect resurrected bodies. Our, our new bodies will not be subject to death. We will, not, we will have to worry about dying in our new bodies. Instead, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, death is swallowed up in victory. When we receive our eternal bodies, life completely conquers death. And we have that promise here in the word of God. Verse 5 says, now he who has prepared us, God is preparing us right now for our eternal destiny. Here, Paul, he's connecting the ideas of our light affliction and the eternal weight of glory. When, when trials are hard here on earth, it isn't always easy to take comfort in, in, in our heavenly destiny because we're dealing with our stuff right now. We're dealing with our problems and our issues right now. And God knew this, so he gave us the spirit as a guarantee. He backs up the, listen, God backs up the promise of heaven with a down payment right now. And that down payment is the Holy Spirit. The word guarantee is the ancient Greek word, um, arhaban. And it describes a pledge or, or a partial payment that required future payments, right? But, you know, but, but it gave the one receiving the guarantee a legal claim to the goods in question. In the modern, in the modern Greek language, that word arhabon um, means, it means engagement ring. Fellas, when we, when we give an engagement ring to our future spouse, we're giving them a guarantee. We're giving them an assurance of, uh, of, of living life together. We're giving them an, a guarantee and assurance that you will love them, that you will, you will, you will protect them. And, and everything that goes with that is the same idea. God gave us the guarantee of the Holy Spirit so that we can have assurance that we always have him with us, right? And the Holy Spirit was a down payment for eternity and glory with him you know the holy spirit is is is, is almost like a, a a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like imagine imagine we we're, we're christians and we have the holy spirit in us the holy spirit speaking to us holy spirit guiding us right and we don't always you know maybe i'm the only one i don't always hear the holy spirit right maybe my spiritual ears aren't on that day you know maybe 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 somebody got on my nerves, right? And I'm not, I'm just not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of what heaven's going to be like because then we have the 24-7 presence of God around us, right? The Holy Spirit, I feel, is, it's almost, almost like a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. Charles Spurgeon writes, So the Holy Spirit is a part of heaven itself. 
The work of the Holy Spirit in the soul is the is the bud of heaven. Grace is not a thing which will be taken away from us when we enter glory, but will develop into glory. Grace will not be withdrawn as though it had answered its purpose, but will be matured into glory. Come on, grace. The presence of the Holy Spirit is just going to be further in our lives, even more real when we get to heaven. And verse six says, so we are always confident. The presence of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life gave him confidence. It assured him that God was at work in him and would continue his work in him. If you cannot say of yourself that you are always confident, then ask God. Ask God for, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're, not, if you're not confident, you need to ask the Lord to give you more of the Holy Spirit, you know? And um, surprise, surprise, brothers and sisters, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, you know? Because if if you know, we, we can ask all we want to, you know, Holy Spirit, be with me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, guide me, you know? And sometimes the Holy Spirit is talking, but we still ain't listening. Because the Holy Spirit, surprise, surprise, doesn't always tell us what we want to hear, doesn't always guide us where we want to go, you know, and sometimes we stubborn, right? Maybe I'm the only one. We stubborn, you know, and we ask God, speak to me, Lord, and the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to you, right? But we're not listening until there's something that we want to hear. And I'm sorry, I hate to tell you. But if that's the way you want to live your life, you ain't going to get nowhere. You're going to be going around in circles and circles, you know, banging your head up against the wall. Verse 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> to walk by faith, not by sight, is, is one of the great and one of the most difficult principles in Christianity. You know, it must, it must amaze the angels um, that we we live for, we serve, and are willing to die for a God that we have never seen. Yet we love him and we live for him, living by faith and not by sight. To walk by faith means to, to make faith part of our daily activity. Walking is not it, it, walking isn't remarkable by itself. It's one it, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a mundane aspect of, of our life, but God wants us to walk by faith, to move by faith in him. Verse 8 says, we are confident, yes, well, please, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. <clears throat> Paul is confident of his eternal destiny. He's not afraid of the world beyond. In fact, he, he would be well pleased to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. <clears throat> This, this this text deals with a question uh, um, that's on the minds of many. What happens to believers when we die? What happens to us? Christians, we, we will leave these bodies, we'll be resurrected in new bodies and be with God. Because to be absent from the bodies means we will be present with the Lord. And this, pro this, this, this proves um, two false doctrines to be false. Right, doctrines within the church, you know, um, it proves them to be to to be nonsense. Right, there's the idea of of, of what people call soul sleep, and um, uh, that's uh, it's it's believing that that the dead are held in some sort of um, suspended an animation until the resurrection comes. 
right? A lot of the Jew, Jew, Jewish faith, you know, the, the Orthodox Jews, they believe that, you know, saints are, are, you know, Old Testament saints are, you know, they're, they're just kind of waiting, right, for it to be resurrected. The, there's also the idea of purgatory within the Catholic faith, right, that even some Christians believe in this. And it's this false doctrine that that um, believers who have died must be uh, cleaned up, right, um, through their own suffering before coming to the presence of God. And this text proves that, is that, that, that to be wrong. That is a false doctrine to be, to, 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 to be absent from the body, to die, to leave this physical form is to be present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And, and this, is, this is what makes heaven really heaven. We get to be present with the Lord. Heaven, he, heaven is, is precious to us for so many reasons. You know, uh, some of us, we want to be with, with loved ones who have passed. You know, and, and loved ones who we miss dearly. Some of us, we want <clears throat> to be able to meet the great men and women uh, of God who have passed before us in, in, you know, in past centuries. We want to walk the streets of gold and see the pearly gates and see the angels around the throne of God worshiping day and night. However, none of these things, as precious as they are, make heaven really heaven. What makes heaven really heaven is the unhindered, unrestricted presence of God. The place of heaven will be like hell if it weren't for the presence of God. Think about it like that. Heaven would be like hell if God weren't there. Heaven is the presence of God. God always wanted us to be in his presence. When, 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 God created Adam and Eve. He created the Garden of Eden. Eden, think of Eden, you know, not just as a physical place, right, here on earth, not just, you know, as an actual garden. Think of Eden as the presence of God, right? Adam and Eve were living in the presence of God, which is crazy when you think about it, you know, in the story when they tried to hide. How are you going to hide from the presence of God in the presence of God? That's a whole other thing. We're not. We're not going to get into and, and, and into all that. We'll be, we'll be we'll be digging way way too deep. Verse seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. It says, "If anyone," this is a promise for anyone. Anyone. I'm going to say it again. Anyone. It doesn't matter what class, what race, what sex, what nationality, what language, anything. None of that matters. Anyone can be a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that's hard for some of us to imagine, right? Because a lot of a lot of the, the, the old faithful church, you know, they've been the ones who have been faithfully serving. And you see some of these uh these these sinful worldly heathens coming to church. And sometimes we have a hard time believing that the Lord wants to save them. We have a hard time believing that that they are a new creation because of their outward appearance, right? Who do we think we are? Standing above individuals 
who don't look like you and thinking that that they cannot be a new creation as if they've gone too far to where God can save them. We are putting God in the box. Essentially, when we, when we turn our nose up on, on first-time guests that walk into the doors of the church, and they look a little different. They got some tattoos, and they got some piercings, they dress a certain way, you know, they smell a little funny. And we turn our nose up on them as if God cannot save them, as if God cannot rescue them, as if God cannot make them into a new creation. We are saying, God, I don't believe you can do this. We are putting God in a box. And again, it goes back to the idea of we believe we can understand who God is. We believe, almost, <clears throat> we believe that we know better than God. And that's ridiculous. Anyone <clears throat> can be a new creation. In Christ Jesus, it says, and being in Christ, this is a promise for anyone who is in Christ. This is not a promise to those who are in themselves, those who are in a religion, uh, those uh, uh, who are, are in someone else or something else. This is for those who are in Christ. That's the key. That's the key. Because if you're looking at people and saying God can't save them, I would argue, then you are not in Christ. So you are not a new creation. But because we come to church and we, we wear the dress, we talk the talk, we walk the walk, we look the part. We are casting doubt. And we're saying, God, you cannot, there's no way, God, you can do this. And listen, we all have people in our lives who, you know, it's been hard to, to, to really believe that God can that God can save them. Right? We have that, that that doubt in our mind. We need to get that out of our heads because God can do whatever He wants to do. God can save. God can redeem. God can restore. God can reconcile. God can heal. Right? You know, and I would argue there are some people that, who walk the doors of the church who look a hot mess, who have a closer relationship with Jesus Christ than the saints in the church who've been around for 20, 30, 40 years, right? Who've been on, you know, this board and that deacon thing and that, you know, ministry, whatever, for, for years and years and years. And they're, they're sticking their nose out, they're pointing their finger and they're saying, there's no way. You know, and I think a lot of us who have been to the church, you know, all of our life, we've been to different churches and have experienced that or have seen that. The idea of being a new creation doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that we are changed and that we are being changed. So, so who makes us a new creation? There's, <clears throat> this is something that only God God alone can do is make us a new creation. This isn't just turning over a new leaf or getting my stuff together. No, the, the life of a new creation is not something God does for us, but something that God does in us. Ephesians 4, uh, 23 to 24 tells us that we're to put off the old man and to put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. 
Living as a new creation is something that, uh, that God works in us using our will and our choices. So we must live the life of a new creation and receive the gift of being a new creation. And all this is God's work in us that we must submit to. And this reminds us that at its root, Christianity is all about what God did for us, not what we can or should do for God. That's what this life is about. We don't deserve relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't deserve it. Because we are sinful creatures, we continue to sin. We, we, we are sinful every single day of the week, right? I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care how many books you read, how many times you read through the Bible, right? I don't care if you think you walk on water, you are full of sin. We are all full of sin. But God is still working on us. God is still making us a new creation, right? We are still a work in progress, right? We are not going to be you know, perfect until we are in glory with the Lord, until we are in heaven. But until that day, we need to allow God to continue to work in us. Why? Because God is going to use us as an example for others. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Each and every one of us has a testimony of the powerful work of God that he has done in us. I don't want to hear about perfection. I don't want to hear about how great you are. I don't want to hear about how many houses you have, how much money you have. You know, I don't, because you know what? If, if, if you're so perfect, I cannot relate to you. I cannot relate to you. But if you come to me and you're telling me your story and you're saying, I used to be, now I am, but God still is in my life. I can relate to that. That's why I love when we hear the messages, you know, on Sunday from Pastor Brendan, you know, or whoever is speaking and being vulnerable. That's why us as a pastoral staff, you know, and an elder board, we try to be vulnerable as leadership team of the church. We try to be vulnerable with the things that are going on in our lives because we're not perfect. And if anyone thinks and acts and tries to tell you they're perfect, they are wrong. They are lying because we are not perfect. But if you come to me and tell me, um, because let me put it this way and I'm a close, right? And you're, this is the, this, 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 the final word for Pastor Jason. If you come to me and you're telling me how great your life is, why are you talking to me? Right? Because, because a lot of people, they come to the church and, and, you know, we are, we, we are, we were a hospital, right? You know, we, we're, we're, we're not a country club. So you're coming, a lot of people come to church and they just want to talk about how great things are. How great, how great, great, great. Okay, so so I guess you're walking on water, right? You have not, nothing's wrong in your life. You know, you perform miracle signs and wonders, you know, because you're so good. You know the Bible. You've been through this. You've been through that. You have it all together. But no, sometimes brother says we got to be vulnerable. But like, no, I don't have it together. I am not perfect, you know? God is still making me into the new creation that he, he has designed me to be. God is still working on me. God is still molding me. He's still the potter. I'm still the clay. I am allowing him to still mold me and form me into who he wants me to be. But I'm struggling. You know, I'm trying to do this, but I still have issues. You know, you know, that is something that we can work with. 
that is something that we want to be a part of. That is something that I want to learn with, right? So I'm going to be vulnerable with you. I'm going to be real with you. The rest of our staff and our elders and our pastors, we're going to be vulnerable with them and be real with you. But be real with us. God is still forming us. God is still making us into who he wants us to, who he wants us to be. And think about this. When we go through the process, right? I know I said that was my last point. I'm still going, Nicole. I'm sorry. When we're going through the process, there's going to be someone else that's going to come to the doors of the church. That's going to need to hear your story. Because a lot of times people come to the church for the first time, and more often than not, believe it, there are people who the, the first time they're ever stepping into a church is through the, one of the doors of Fusion Church. And they have no idea, but they need to hear your story. They need to hear about you know, what God has done for you. They need to hear about how God is still working on you, right? They, they need to hear these stories. They need to hear your testimony. So be be vulnerable, be transparent, and allow the Lord to continue to work in you and, and, and acknowledge you are not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But we're working towards Him, right? And we're looking forward to the day when we're in glory and we can be in our perfected bodies with our Savior and be in the presence of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that that. You are so patient with us, Lord. You're so patient with us, and you just want to continue to be with us and to and to, to, to have relationship with us and to shape us, Father, into the men and women that you have designed us to be, Lord God, so that we can continue your work, Lord God. Father, I pray that we never look at our salvation, our Christianity is something that we do, Lord, but no, it's something that you have done for us and you're continuing to do for us. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, and we love you. Father, be with us. I pray for my brothers and sisters on this call, listening on YouTube or on the podcast later on, Lord God, that you would just speak to them right now, wherever they're at. Speak to them, Father. Reveal new things to them. Show them things in their lives, areas in their lives that they need, they need to submit to you. Father, we praise you, and we are expectant for great things to come out of 2024, great things to happen in the new year, Lord God. Father, I pray that you will continue to show off. Father, you've been showing off. You've been doing things behind the scenes that we have no idea, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to do that, Lord. Do what only you can do. Father, we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all. Don't forget, we start Daniel Fast next week. Um, so get ready, get ready. I know it's going to be tough, but I'm telling you, God is getting ready to move. God is getting ready to open up new doors. God is getting ready to reveal himself in new, unique, special ways. Just allow him to do the work. Amen? Amen.